Hey, Fellowship family. My name is Jay Atkins, and I'm one of the pastors here. And we are grateful that you are joining us. This is our podcast that we like to call Fellowship Family. And today we have some special guests that are joining us. Uh, they are from quite a great distance. Um, and I would just like to take a moment and, and introduce Jackie. And I would also like to introduce Brian Key Money. And uh, they money, have money. someone, that's right, they, would, they have someone that they would like to introduce also. Well, he's already kind of introduced himself, so. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And there's also Spurgeon Kimani, yes. seven-month-old Spurgeon. Yes, so Spurgeon, you will definitely hear him um, <laughs> as he is jumping in with us today. So one of the things that we want to be able to accomplish today is, is Jackie is going to share a little bit about her story. Um, she is also, we're going to also get to meet Brian, uh, but Jackie is a longtime member at Fellowship, and so I don't want to steal any of those aspects of this podcast, so I want to turn things over to Jackie as she introduces herself. Awesome. Hello, Fellowship Memphis. Excited to be back with you all. Uh, my name is Jackie Kimani, uh, wife to Brian Kimani and mother to Spurgeon. Uh, I first came to Fellowship, actually, uh, my story comes starts out in arkansas where i went to university and while i was in school i was finishing off and was asking the lord uh, what he would have for me to do next uh, and um, even though i had all these big plans it turns out the lord uh, really desired that i be in memphis doing a program called downline ministries which i know many of you are familiar with um, to come and learn about biblical discipleship so i moved from arkansas to memphis uh, and I remember one of my good friends, whom many of you would also know, since this is Fellowship Family, you would know my friend Wadzi, and she had come to Memphis the year uh, prior to that, and this was, now, this was 2015 when she came, and I'd visited Fellowship Memphis once, and I was like, man, if I ever ended up in this city, I would for sure be a part of this church. <laughs> yeah, and so it's you and Wadzi, and both of you young ladies are... From Zimbabwe. Yes, sir. Yes. And so somehow, by the hand of God, you guys wound up in Memphis together. Literally. I mean, we wound up in Arkansas together first, uh, okay. actually, at the same school, and uh, which was crazy. But um, yeah, so when I did move uh, to Memphis, for me, it was kind of automatic that I would end up at Fellowship Memphis. But uh, even with visiting other churches, Fellowship Memphis just felt like home. Um, I loved the gospel centrality from the pulpit, um, the love for God from the fellow members and the diversity of the church, uh, getting to love and know and experience the city through my church and to love the city as an outward expression of being part of my body. So fellowship was the heartbeat of what I was doing. Even though I was doing downline, I felt like my community and my heart and my service for the city and from the city was coming out of my church. So love my experience at Fellowship Memphis. Uh, of course, you know, fellowship folks, you know, we love to eat. <laughs> That's right. We and do. I think uh, it's a funny story. One of I, I was serving with guest lunch and I think by the time we met uh, Jay, uh, I was serving uh, with guest lunch. And how I ended up serving with guest lunch is because uh, when I first moved to fellowship, uh, you know, didn't have a lot of money. So I was at guest lunch every single Sunday. <laughs> and then uh, one of the uh, guys who was leading ended up just saying, you know, you're here every week. So why don't you just start helping out? <laughs> and I was like, 
Sure. That's, listen, that's a great way to build a surf team right there. <laughs> yeah, so it worked out. Now I could have free lunch and actually serve the church. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, such a sweet time being a fellowship Memphis and was through being at, uh, at fellowship and being nurtured as part of fellowship Memphis that I felt a call from the Lord um, not to remain in the States, which was the initial plan, uh, but instead to launch back um, to the continent of Africa, uh, specifically to Zimbabwe, where I was born and raised, uh, to go and serve the Lord uh, there in full-time ministry. And it was a difficult decision. I remember we wrestled through it together, uh, Pastor Jay, and, uh, but God was so gracious um, to already have put me in a context at Fellowship where I was serving as part of the um, our global team, really, which... Yeah, say yeah, say a little bit about that team. There's not a there's not, there's maybe some of our listeners are not fully aware of our global missions team. Mm-hmm. So share with everybody sort of how that came together, the heartbeat behind that, and mm-hmm. how maybe that played a small part in how God was preparing you uh, mm-hmm. to go back to Zim. Yeah, so um, I think we're at a place where Fellowship Memphis has a heart, of course, as we know, for the city, but also for the nations. And several of us were just like, man, like, what could it look like for us to care for all the partners that we already have internationally? I mean, Fellowship has been doing a lot of work outside of the city, but many people in Fellowship and outside of it were not aware of it. Uh, And even those who are outside, I think, also needed some sensitization within the church so that they can know how to feel loved and received well when they'll come back. Um, And also just for us to have a very concrete vision and mission as a church uh, we are a Great Commission Church, but for us to make that clear in how we give and how we send and how we support. Um, so I, I was invited to be one of the people uh, who had kind of um, actually set up the vision and the mission uh, of this team, which was a big privilege, as you can imagine. Absolutely. Uh, and I was working alongside some really amazing folks uh, who have served internationally or themselves uh, from different parts of the world, uh, but are part of the Fellowship Memphis family. Um, so we started this global missions team and we would meet and we would discuss and wrestle with how the Lord is calling fellowship as a church um, to define how it would support missions, how it would view missions, uh, especially global missions, uh, reaching uh, the nations and unreached peoples. Um, yeah, so established that. And I think as I was processing through that, um, it even gave me a little bit more pumped up energy to be like, man, like, this is a body that I would love to send me out uh, to the nations uh, as well. So even as the Lord was calling me, he was definitely using the global missions team to also give clarity um, to how fellowship would love and serve me well as I would launch out. So it was great. Yeah, I think, you know, I can remember that season of time, and I can remember specifically you praying, we together praying about what it would be like, you know, what your next steps were going to be, because I think maybe like an option was maybe you were going to go back to school, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, you felt um, the Lord was impressing upon your heart to go back uh, to your home Mm -hmm. uh, where it all truly began. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so as I think about the global missions team and I think about your heart's desire to go back to your people, Mm -hmm. uh, walk us through what that part of that decision-making was and then ultimately how you got back to Zim. Yeah, so um, I remember feeling stirred uh, by the Lord to um, go back uh, and to serve. I think I was part of a very sweet friend group when I was in Memphis, and we were just running hard after the Lord, um, sharing the gospel, uh, loving on those experiencing homelessness, um, serving our fellow church members. And 
I think in the context of that, um, felt like the Lord was saying, just transplant your life, what you're doing now, <laughs> and move it elsewhere. And uh, to be honest, I think the Lord, um, through that, revealed to me that I still had elements in my heart that, of course, wanted the American dream like everybody else. I was like, um, no, that's not the plan. <laughs> um, so it was a bit of a wrestle um, to come to a place where I would surrender uh, all of myself to the Lord and say, Lord, what you would will and what you would want is uh, first and foremost. And I think just growing in my heart and my desire to uh, obey the Great Commission from what I'd been learning, um, but also a great desire to see Jesus come back. <laughs> and right. as you desire for, for Jesus to come back, uh, there's a commission that is there for us as a church that he desires that we partake with him and he will be with us uh, to the ends of the earth. Um, so really wanted um, not only to do that, but also enable other Africans to know that they can be um, missionaries as well. I think I had this um, strange idea of what missions was or what mis- who missions was reserved for. Uh, where it was like, man, if you're not a, a white man from America, you can't be a missionary. <laughs> uh, but then one thing was being in my context at Fellowship Memphis where you have a different variety, diversity of people who love the Lord and are serving him all over the world, uh, gave me a, a mindset to be like, yo, like this is something that even if the Lord would call me, I can participate in. And that kind of also gave me that freedom to know that if the Lord would call me, he would also equip me just as he'd done to other people. So, yeah, yeah uh, I think I had a wrestle of where I would end up. A uh, funny thing uh, is I actually thought I would end up in Nairobi, Kenya for a very long time. Uh, but uh, through a lot of counsel, ended up being redirected back to uh, going home first uh, to Harare, Zimbabwe. So that's where I started out serving. Yeah, that's great. I love that part of your story. I think one of the things that I remember also as we were working as the global missions team and we were attempting to really, in some ways, quantify the type of partnerships that we would love to have, uh, it was partnerships with people that were indigenous church leaders um, and people that shared some of the same values that we have as a church, Mm -hmm. Uh, the values of gospel centrality, the, the reality of uh, being a disciple-making church and also being multi-ethnic, and so those were the those were the sort of the values that we desired for our partners in the field to have. And then when you began to share about how God was moving in your heart, um, I think a result of the work that that team did was to be able to send you out as one of our first formalized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of our first formalized missionaries, and mm-hmm. not that not that we're the only church that supports you. Yeah, um, but uh, we we are we're your home church, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. or or your home church on this side. Yeah, of yeah. the big pond. So oh, yeah, um, yeah. So that's uh that's great. Oh so, yeah, yeah. So since you have been there, you know, you mentioned Nairobi, and you've mentioned you know you've experienced a lot of life. You mm-hmm. know, you you've got Spurgeon. Married to Brian. So tell us a little bit about how that came together. Yeah. And then we can hear from Brian about some of the work that you guys are doing right now. Yeah. So uh, as I was mentioning, ended up launching out to Harare, Zimbabwe. Um, and always had a heart for uh, Nairobi, Kenya, for some reason. I'd never actually been there. Uh, but while I was in Zimbabwe, one of the first assignments that I received from the missions agency we had uh, was to uh, go to Kenya. Uh, to do some training so went to Kenya did this training but I'd made several friends out in Nairobi um so apart from this training they actually uh, these friends invited me over to say hey could you also come and do 
an evangelism training for some of the folks we work with. And this organization is called Center for Missions Mobilization. And um, so I went there and um, happened to train. And uh, my husband, Brian, happened to be one of the people who were there. Um, and since then, we've kind of, we're kind of um, co-laborers uh, by God's chance. I guess is what it's called. Right. Uh, he, uh, we always had a heart for reaching students, and so did he. And uh, he had such a heart to uh, share the gospel, to make disciples, um, to love and to learn from the Lord and with others. Um, so we just became really good friends uh, from there. And after about a year of being good friends, he, uh, wish he can even t- talk a little bit about this, but we, uh, he had a discipleship group that he was running um and in that group, he invited me to come and help sometimes online. And as we were doing that, we just, our friendship developed and grew even more. We ended up dating. And um, from that, God was so gracious uh, to, to lead us and to help us to end up in a place where we felt pretty assured that uh, he wanted us to be together, um, not only for uh, small missions things, but even as life partners. So, yeah, yeah that's, we got married and that's great. great. Yeah, and then Spurgeon came. Yeah, and then Spurgeon came. <laughs> he yes. came and messed it up. You know, yeah. we were having a good time. <laughs> Everything changed. So <laughs> wonderful children. So, yeah, so a lot of the, what you're talking about, there's a lot of that that was happening during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, obviously listeners here, a bulk of us experienced COVID probably in a very different way mm-hmm. than you guys experienced it in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. And so maybe say a little bit about that and then – obviously want to be able to still carve out some time to hear from Brian. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What were some of the challenges with COVID for you guys? Man, I think uh, one of the biggest things with COVID, I mean, one, just not being able to gather was just challenging as you can imagine. Um, um, God gives us commandments in his word. um, And we know Hebrews 10, he says gather. And I think oftentimes we think God's commands are for him, <laughs> you know, we're like, we obey God because he likes that. And it's like, um, no, God gave us com- commandments because he knew that's how we would best thrive as people. Uh, and I think the command together is one that for sure um, I have seen as one that impacts us personally. So I think it was just hard being oh. away from the body, being away from others uh, as the times are drawing, uh, are getting more difficult as the time draws near for Christ to come back. We need one another even more, you know, so um, just the, Challenges and difficulties, some some of isolation and all of that. So COVID was just hard. Um, seeing people getting into all these things that I think perhaps they wouldn't have gone into. Um, people losing their jobs. Um, mm-hmm. People just having a a hard time coping, maybe with being in difficult family situations, being back home, and and all of that. Uh, but God was also so gracious um, to us, um, especially just as a as a couple, then dating and engaged, but now even married. In that. Uh, COVID gave us an opportunity for us to expand um, the work that we were doing because now everyone is online. Yes. So now the global, the reach that you could have tended towards being more global just naturally because of that. Um, uh, so we ended up training uh, people that we would not usually have had access to, discipling others who um, and building relationships with others who would, we would not ordinarily have had an opportunity to do so. So uh, in as much as it was challenging and difficult, God was also gracious uh, to give us the grace to have a, uh, a global reach. But at the same time, I think for both of us, it was a wonderful time to also reach our families um, and seeing our families grow their, their love for the Lord. I think uh, for a very long stint there, I felt like um, the primary 
people God had called me to disciple in Zimbabwe were my the people in my home, which was not my thought process. I think most of my work I thought would be outside of the home. Right. But now I, I was living with my parents at that time and, and our neighbors and uh, ended up just being such a gospel light for the, our community in our in our own home. Um, so that was also quite a, quite a sweet time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for bringing us into that and sharing your experiences through that uh, incredibly difficult time mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, that definitely marked so many of us. So, mm-hmm. Ryan, why don't you, uh, man, we would love to hear um, yeah, what it was like for you as you were experiencing um, just some leadership from Jackie as you were, uh, yeah, just experiencing that and um, yeah, talk a little bit about how you guys uh, from your perspective, how you guys uh, got together and, um, yeah, as that relationship began to develop and then just about just your heart for ministry and things that you guys are working with right now. Um, no, thanks. First and foremost, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Really appreciate that. Um, well, I wouldn't call it leadership, uh, but I would call it serving alongside. I think it's great. Um, we were already involved in the work, working with college students in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. And our, our mission and our vision was to mobilize students for global missions because that mindset is not alive among many students. Even if they want to be ministering to other people, the idea is not that I can integrate my entire life with a mission mindset. And that's what CMM was working to achieve. And that's how myself, I got involved in missions and had this mission view. Now, Jackie had trained some of the leaders who were discipling us. And when she came in, I think she came in for a day or two. Mm-hmm. And the first day she trained and I was like, man, this is awesome. Simple tools, but so effective, you know, hearing her story. And the next day being paired together by God's sovereignty to go and share, you know, uh, but already just to the impact of having other people see a woman, a young black African woman who has lived in the States and thrived in the States, choosing to come back to Africa was very impactful to the students and to myself. Um, yeah, I would, know, I would imagine that that would be powerful. So, so Jackie, yeah, so you were taking the, uh, all of, all of the discipleship that you had received here mm-hmm. and you were taking that and you were investing that in the people back there. And was it, was this in Zimbabwe or was this in Nairobi? So, yeah, like I think what Brian was, was mentioning, I think there was so much work already going on right. in Nairobi, like, um, even like these guys already reaching folks right. doing so much, but I think it was finding ways to then partner with one another, like, um, finding ways to grow one another, say like, Hey, like, I've learned this and this is what's already going on. How can we go together and partner together in this gospel work, you know? And That's great. Uh, that ended up actually being such a dynamic and enigmatic way for us to, um, to co-labor together. You know, I don't know if you share in that. Yeah, that's exactly uh, yeah. what I would say. You know, it was just a good image. I think yeah. like Jackie had said previously, our view and my view personally was like, if you ain't black and white and from the 90s, you can't be a missionary, <laughs> you know. You must be black, you must be old, you must be a man, you must be white. That's a missionary because that's what is integrated in our academic studies. When we read about Livingstone and other missionaries, that's the image that we have. And here's a extreme contradiction or the extreme opposite of what that is. And faithfully running 
And not only that, um, you would know that perhaps there's some idolatry in our desire to go to Europe or to come to America because of greener pastures, for good reasons or not. But here is a woman who has experienced that and has thrived in that environment, not only experienced but thrived and chosen to come back. And for me to uh, present that to other students who we are reaching out to becomes so much alive because it's like she has, she's pretty much an epitome of a lot of what people desire they would achieve, young girls and young men. And they're like, wait, is this that important that you would leave an entire career from America and come back, not just to Africa, but to Zimbabwe, which is her place. But like, if you're going to go to Africa, you know, go to South Africa, you know, come to Nairobi and to see that. And so what happened afterwards, even after she left, was that so many people actually were left thinking and a lot of questions were raised. And I think that opened doors for us to have opportunities to disciple the students that we were already reaching out to because now it becomes alive. It's tangible. You know, it's something they can see breathing and living. And I think one thing led to the other. And I think when COVID hit, it was extremely different, definitely. Uh, I, we used to do something called Picnic with Jesus, which was a monthly gathering of students. They come with like, we call them lessers. I don't know what we call them in. Like, maybe like rags. Like rags or something. Yeah. And you go for a picnic, you come okay. with your Bible, you come with snacks. And every month we meet. Uh, and that was, came from the idea that when I got born again, I was so disappointed that nobody had actually shared the gospel. Because what this gospel did is that it completely transformed my entire life. You know, for, from someone who was struggling with alcoholism to just different lifestyles and brokenness. And like this one message completely transformed my entire life. How is it that I could be in a Christian school and nobody took time to tell me this? And out of that frustration, it was like, I want to tell others. But since nobody's inviting me to church, how about we create a conducive environment with a little knowledge? I was, you know, I was definitely a young Christian. But one thing I knew is that, you know, the reality of, God calls and commissions at the same time. You know, fish and follow are two sides of the same coin. You cannot be uh, a follower of Christ and you're not making fishers of men. And I saw that immediately happening because once you encounter Christ, you immediately want to tell others about Christ. And how that transition to the COVID period is that we couldn't meet anymore, the monthly meeting with the youth. And so it was a good opportunity for me to say, wow, I have this women. I'd probably not have as much impact and also I'm not a... I've not served as a believer for as long, but you know what would be awesome? Jackie would be so amazing because now we can actually communicate in Zoom online and even we are not meeting physically. And for her to come in and to see how that affected so many women in college who are literally looking up to her and I'm able to say, hey, you know, look at this and listen to this and a lot of them learning how to share their faith and a lot of them going back and telling their parents and their teacher and everyone is like, it's a phenomenal. That's, we've, what are you talking about, missionary? Right. Who's that? Right. You know, uh, so that was some of the effect that um, that went on to to be seen during our period uh, in COVID, and it was actually quite a relief because now we're able to do it weekly, not just yeah. monthly. But now we're doing it every Mondays or something yeah. for a year, for a whole year. So. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, talk talk a little bit more about some of those contributions that you guys are making right now. Yeah. Um, so pretty much, we're still uh, in the same ministry in by and large so like i said i got discipled and involved in student ministry as soon as i got born again i was taught about missions as a student and mobilized for student evangelism and all that and so 
when I was getting involved with Jackie as a friend and we were doing that, we've just continued to do that because it seems it's the path that God has set for us. We seem to have a lot of success in doing that. And right now, uh, one of our biggest missions and desire and what we believe the Lord wants, even our motive to go back to Zimbabwe, is to continue to mobilize students for global missions. Currently, we go three to four times a week at University of Zimbabwe which is the largest uh, university in Zimbabwe. And students, the beautiful thing about University of Zimbabwe and like any other college is that people come from all parts of Zimbabwe to come to University of Zimbabwe because it's the main university. Mm -hmm. And so we are trusting God for 2,314 uh, people who are going to hear the gospel in the next year as a target. And this happened uh, you know, in a very funny way. First, how that is a number, you know, how we came up with that specific number is interestingly we kind of calculated how many how how many would two people a pair of disciples reach out during the time that the apostles were sharing in asia you know and we came with that number and we said god we want to trust you that 2314 people would hear the gospel in the next one year what you did with these people in one day you can do it in a year but that came from the pro, uh, from the product that we were seeing while sharing and we were like Imagine if we trained other students to do the same. We would actually even get done with this, and I think we calculated in maybe two months or so if it was multiplication. Mm -hmm. um, and so right now we have some around seven very faithful students who are also tethered to the local church. Uh, shout out Harbert and, and them, and young men who are faithfully desiring to learn and to know and are seeing how we are living our life because one of the things that we have purpose to do is to to open our house for students, that we could be a, a, a young couple who they could observe and a young couple who they would literally live with because many of the students don't have their parents nearby when they come. They're living in campus and all that, and the influences are quite opposite to any Christian values. And so opening our doors has been very phenomenal to many of them because they're like, we've never seen this, and so what is this? And training them in that this is how discipleship works. We use uh, the four fields, five part as our primary tool in training. Uh, and literally our hope is that we would see some of these students actually make lifetime decisions and how they choose to live out their lives as disciple makers and not just Christians who mm -hmm. uh, see the faith. And, you know, I strongly believe in the student movement as the largest movement of, you know, missionaries or disciples, makers, uh, I think it's the most fruitful time and the fruitful season for any human being. You are not working. You are there trying to figure out what is life all about. Mm -hmm. And so our hope is to truly see that. Not only that, but we're also training students. Uh, we're also training leaders and, and church and pastors on how to in, uh, integrate evangelism among the congregation. A large part of churches and ministries uh, think that the work of evangelism is delegated only to the minister. And it's really hard to actually make them understand that you don't only come to receive, but you're meant to live your life sharing out the faith. And it might feel obvious in my time here, and especially seeing Fellowship Memphis, everybody is just, the idea of mission-mindedness has been very much rooted into the congregation. Everybody's talking about that in one sense or the other. They've been exposed to that. Mm -hmm. But it will be amazing the amount of churches and ministries that don't get that. It's like we just follow the man of God or we just follow the minister or the pastor. You know, me, I have my ministry. My ministry is playing the keyboard. I'm like, is that 
in the scripture? Is that a mm-hmm. ministry? Is that that's a that's a sovereign talent, and you can serve God through that. But sharing the gospel has been is not is not a gift. It has been delegated to every believer now in different measure. It, it not everyone needs to go the same way, but it's not a gift intentionally because it's meant for everyone. And seeing the pastors actually even come to that realization is quite phenomenal because they end up becoming some of the strongest forces in uh, who are sharing and helping this multiply. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, we do reach a small people group uh, almost 800 kilometers out of Harare, which, you know, if Fellowship Memphis decides to come, I think they would love it. It's uh, <laughs> yep. If you've watched Gods that. Must Be Crazy, you will know the, the, the men in that movie. So they're called the Twi Twi. And they are uh, a group that is quickly fading out, if that's a term I can use. And they are now 2,000 in population. Many of them have not been charged. And the only outreach that has been made to them so far has been through Catholics. But we've been able to make inroads. The challenge that we are having is that we don't have anyone rooted. And so trying to plant a church has been difficult. But we would love the church to pray alongside uh, us and the people who are working in that team to enable us to establish a church. There are people who've come to faith genuinely, and we've seen fruit. But every time we leave them and we come back, we do not know what type of tradition, because of the traditional religions, what they're adapting into their Christianity. Like you were talking last Sunday, but one. Ah, no, was it about... A few Sundays ago, yeah. Yeah, a few Sundays ago, you know, integrating the gospel and then some other things as if, no, no, it's the gospel, period. You know, if you add other things, you start tampering with the gospel. And so that's a challenge. But pretty much that's that's what we have been involved in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. So some things that we could be praying for. So give me the name of that people group one more time. Twy Twy. So the Twy Twy people group. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then give me that number one more time that you guys are looking to. 2,314 2, students who will have a clear presentation of the gospel, who will hear a clear presentation of the gospel. So Many people are churched but don't have a clear presentation of the gospel. So we are praying, and out of that, God will give us people, faithful disciples, but to hear. So it's primarily for them to hear a clear presentation of the gospel. Yes, no, that's great. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is great. Yeah, so far, we've reached 100, uh, but the vision was around two months ago. So in the last two months, we were able to reach around 100. And it's not really about the number. Like Jackie said something very interesting. What's the worst that could happen? We could reach, what, 500 people? Oh, you know. <laughs> That's 500 yeah. more. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I think beyond the ministry prayer uh, as well, I think there's also just for our family, you know, for us as a young married couple, for God to keep us, sustain us, uh, but also for our son Spurgeon, who um, we're so grateful Fellowship Memphis loved us so well and prayed for us and supported us when he was going through a bunch of different health difficulties uh, with um, having needing some head surgery and all of that. So just praying that he would continually be sustained by the Lord and that you continue to grow and um, develop well. Uh, but even beyond that, um, that you grow to know the Lord. Absolutely. That's, that's great. That is wonderful. So uh, thank you guys so much uh, for being here today and yeah. uh, sharing a little bit of your story. I know that this is like a small, like small pieces of it, but uh, I know there's so much more. Uh, and, and hopefully, maybe in the months ahead, you know, we'll be able to get to hear updates from you guys and sure. have some regular touch points where we're able to hear about all that God's doing in your lives. Um, I would just like to remind everybody that is listening, uh, our global mission partnerships, uh, we have seven of those, mm-hmm. 
formally. And uh, Brian and Jackie are one of those seven. And we are grateful for all of you that support our Engage Fund. Uh, there is actually a place there where you can designate gifts to global missions. Mm -hmm. And so we would obviously welcome those resources and we would make sure that those resources are distributed well between our seven partnerships. And we are so grateful again for your support. So as we close out our time today, again, just want to say thank you guys so much for your patience, for your honesty, for your intentionality with the gospel. Uh, it is certainly an encouragement to me, and I hope that it is encouragement to our listeners as well. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. You guys thank have you a great day. Yeah, Absolutely. Take care, church family. All right.